Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather and welcome to today's episode. So, first of all, I do want to apologize for the audio issues that I had on the last episode. Um, I was not uh, aware that it was recording off of my webcam microphone and not my sure microphone. So, I did a little testing to make sure that does not happen again. I do apologize. That sounded horrific. Uh, anyway, today's episode is uh, going to be about Justin Trudeau is now acting like a desperate despot, knowing his uh, his day is about to be over. He's about to be uh, kicked out. I do believe. Uh, says the power of the Holy Spirit and the saving grace of Jesus can overpower the bondage of Satan. Of course he can. Jesus has overcome everything. And so creating lawlessness to create a police state. So let's jump in to these articles today. So uh, I'm finding these. If you guys don't check out Jan Markell's website, please go check her out. Show her some love. She has worked so hard um, in her ministry. And you know, there's not very many um, ministries on radio programs that still um, have uh, pastors and teachers on that preach the truth. And she's one of them. She has some fantastic guests on her radio program. She used to have one of the largest, still does, one of the largest Bible prophecy conferences in the world and has for like the last, I don't know, since like 2000, maybe before that. Um, I'm not, I think it's, yeah, since about 2000, maybe 2001. And um, this year, or last year, I'm sorry, she handed that off to uh, Calvary Chapel uh, in Chino Hills with Pastor Jack Hibbs. And uh, so they have taken over that. And, uh, but I, it's great. Jan Markell is still there. But anyway, show her some love. Go to her website at olivetreeviews.org. Olivetreeviews.org. So today, this is Tucker Carlson. And it's, uh, there's no more fearful despot than Canada's prime minister. This is off of Fox. So let's check out what I love Tucker Carlson. He speaks the truth and uh, he doesn't shy away from anybody. He is on spot, man. I tell you, he's on spot. So let's listen here. It says, uh, let's go ahead and just, it's about 15 minutes long. So we're not going to listen to 15 minutes of um, of that. So we are going to check out the article, though. It says, do you ever notice how almost all the leaders of almost all the countries in the Western world, particularly in English-speaking Western world, seems kind of the same? I've kind of noticed that. Have you guys noticed that? Let me increase the font here you guys know you guys know me all too well so it says um if i can get this ad off of here oh goodness maybe not today here we go okay so it says they're what we call neoliberal okay um they're all weak and fearful if you think about it and yet if you listen to them talk you think they were omnipotent we're going to reverse global climate change. We're going to vaccinate the world. We're going to end all human prejudice and replace it with equity. Uh, we're going to spread democracy to the untutored nations with guns, and they're going to love us for it. Uh, we can do all these things because we're all powerful. We're like gods. You shall have no gods before us. These are all little G's, of course. Now, Mostly, they're puny people, but when they speak, they sound like Caesar standing in purple robes in the forum commanding the known world. 
Joe Biden very often sounds like this. So does that squeaky little woman with weird teeth who runs New Zealand. They all sound like this. They're unbelievably grandiose. It's by design. They'd rather talk about redeeming humanity than bother to fix your kid's school or replace the stop sign at the end of your block. So you got to wonder, why do they talk this way? And the answer, of course, is because they're terrified. They claim to be powerful because they know they're not. It's a bluff. It's a calculated pose. In fact, they know exactly how weak they are. They understand how little popular support they actually have, and they can feel their grasp slipping away. And if you wonder if that's true, notice how they overreact to the slightest challenge to their power. Remember a year ago when the QAnon shaman skipped through Congress on his mescaline trip, giggling and spreading good vibes? It was kind of amusing. But Democrats in Washington were panicked by it. So panicked, they called in the United States Army and sent that poor guy to prison. It's weird how touchy they get when you suggest they stole the presidential election. I wonder why. But this is not behavior of secure leaders. This is how despots act when they fear they're about to be overthrown. And there's no more fear despot in the world or fearful despot in the world than Justin Trudeau of Canada. Over the span of just a few years, Trudeau has turned a nation long famous for Molson and sled dogs in niceness into a relentless, relentlessly punitive surveillance state. People have long whispered in dead seriousness that Justin Trudeau is just biological son of Fidel Castro. You could laugh it off, but now it's becoming pretty easy to believe Trudeau has used systematically COVID to short circuit democracy in Canada and to end organized Christianity there. Canadians can no longer travel freely with their own country, within their own country. They can no longer return to their own country at certain parts. Pastors have been imprisoned for holding church services. The unvaccinated can be sent to jail for buying certain products in stores. In the town of Gatineau, family, I'm sure I murdered that, I'm sorry. Family members were arrested for celebrating New Year's Eve in their own home. Every large institution in Canada pretends like all of this is perfectly normal. It's always been this way. Canadian media, which are largely controlled by the government, support these policies in Trudeau uncritically. In Nova Scotia, uh, protests against Justin Trudeau's vaccine mandates are now banned by law. Rarely has a nation changed his this quickly or more e unequivocally for the worse. And last week, thousands of Canadian truckers reached their limit. A convoy of truckers converged at the capital city of Ottawa to demand peacefully, cheerfully, but persistently an end to Justin Trudeau's tyranny. Justin Trudeau's response to this display of democracy, he fled the city. Trudeau evacuated his official residence and hid in an undisclosed location. He is still cowering there tonight. Will he come back? Has he <laughs> has he abdicated? Will Canada be ruled by a junta of truckers? Well, not at this point. He emerged by a video conference from his lair to declare that Canadian citizens who disagree with him are, in fact, attacking democracy. See how they spin that? They always turn it around onto you. It's not him. It's all these free people wanting, wanting their freedoms back. <laughs> anyway, so expressing your views is an attack on democracy. And by the way, how dare you express your views as if you were free people? That's tyranny. 
Democracy is when you obey like serfs. Trudeau just effectively said that. And then, because he has no self-awareness whatsoever, Trudeau announced that he's contracted COVID, which is perfect. In other words, take this shot or else. As you can see from the fact I am now sick, it works perfectly. <laughs> you guys, please catch the rest of that on foxnews.com. And that is Tucker Carlson. There's no more fearful despot than Canada's, Canada's prime minister. My goodness. My goodness. Yeah, please please go check that out. It's wonderful. If you listen to it, it's even better. Better than me talking about it. But anyway, let's go back over here to the headlines and see what else we have. So there was a really good story. Uh, this is, um, let's see, I feel completely whole. Quote, ex-Satanist shares how God changed his life. Walter's post included two photos of Sartor taken just several weeks apart. The first photo shows him wearing a, quote, saved by Satan shirt, unquote. And the latter shows him being baptized at church. The testimony went viral and Facebook post has 34,000 likes, 8,500 comments, and 11,000 shares. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He was saved. Praise God. I tell you, there's nothing that can keep you away from God. Nothing. Uh, so how the federal government used evangelicals leaders to spread COVID propaganda to churches? The most crucial question, question Stetzer never asked Collins, however, was why convincing church members to get vaccinated or disseminating certain administration talking points should be the business of pastors at all? Stetzer's efforts to help further the NIH's uh, preferred coronavirus narratives went beyond simply giving Collins a softball venue to rally pastors to his cause. So you can find this article at the Daily Wire. Yes, the Daily Wire. So, um, you know, there's so much, there's so much that uh, is going on. And one thing I, I, I absolutely despise is when they throw up advertisements on your screen and you can't get out of them. Don't you just hate that? Absolutely hate that. <laughs> Anyway, this article is written by Megan Basham, and it's at the dailywire.com. It says, in September, Wheaton College Dean Ed Stetzer interviewed National Institutes of, of Health Director Francis Collins on his podcast, quote, church leadership, about why Christians who want to obey Christ's command to love their neighbors should get the COVID vaccine and avoid indulging in misinformation. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so for those not familiar with Stetzer, he's not just a religious liberal arts professor. And this wasn't just another dime a dozen pastorally podcast. To name just a few of his past and present titles in the evangelical world, Stetzer is also the executive director of the Billy Graham Center and the editor-in-chief of the Outreach Media Group. He was previously an editor at Christianity Today and executive director at Lifeway. Well, folks, that's a mouthful. This tells you everything you need to know about him. Neo-evangelical liberal. That wasn't in the article. That was my words. But anyway, back to the article. One of the largest religious publishers in the world. That's to say nothing of the dozen, bubble, uh, uh, dozen plus books on missions and church plantings he's authored. In short, when it comes to leveraging high evangelical offices to influence everyday Christians, arguably no one is better positioned than Ed Stetzer. Uh, you may know his name 
but if you're church but if you're a church going protestant it's almost guaranteed your pastor does why which is why when Ed's, when Stetzer joined a line of renowned pastors and ministries le- leaders lending their platforms to Obama appointee Collins, the collaboration was noteworthy. I'm going to throw in one right here. Uh, Dr. Robert Jeffress, First Baptist, Dallas, Texas. I used to think a lot of oh, Dr. Robert Jeffress. I did his books. I listened to him. I thought, wow, this is a great pastor here until all the jab thing happened. The next thing you know, he's telling everybody, you need to get the jab because that's what Jesus would do. I don't really think Jesus would do that, number one. Number two, I lost every ounce bit of trust I ever had in anything he ever said. So if you're going to force your congregants into something that you really know nothing about, you're just, you know, being a spokesperson for that, you know, liberal part, uh, then no. So, you know, folks, you may think you're listening to a good pastor, and at some point you may, but then later on you realize, whoa, look at Rick Warren. Whoa. You know, you really just need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. And, you know, some of his older stuff I'm sure is good, but, you know, I'm just, after he said that and behaved that way and he's still going with this, I kind of lost all lost everything uh, or any respect I ever had for him. So anyway, back to the article. <laughs> During their discussion, Collins and Stetzer were hardly shy about the fact that they were asking ministers to act as the administration's go-between with their congregants. I want to exhort pastors once again to try to use your credibility with your flock to put forward the public health measures that we know can work, Collins said. I'm going to interject here and say, yeah, they didn't work. They knew they didn't work. Everybody knew they weren't working. If you actually read the news and did your own research, you knew they weren't working. But then again, we have deceitful pastors like this pushing the narrative. Back to the article. Stetzer replied that he sometimes hears from ministers who don't feel comfortable preaching about the jab vaccines. And he advises them in those cases to simply promote the jab through social media. I just tell them when you get vaccinated, post a picture and say, so thankful I was able to get jabbed, Setzer said. People need to see that it is the reasonable view, unquote. Their conversation also turned to the subject of masking children at school, with Collins noting that Christians in particular have been resistant to it. His view was firm. Kids should be masked if they want to be in the classroom. To do anything else is to turn schools into super spreaders. Sets are offered to push back or follow up questions based on views from other medical experts. He simply agreed. The most crucial question Stetzer never asked Collins, however, was why convincing church members to get vaccinated or disseminating certain administration talking points should be the business of pastors at all. Christians and conspiracy theories. He goes on. Setzer's effort to help further the NIH's preferred coronavirus narratives went beyond simply giving Collins a softball venue to rally pastors to his case. He ended the podcast by announcing that the Billy Graham Center would be formally partnering with the Biden administration. Together with the NIH and the CDC, it would launch a website, coronavirusandthechurch.com, to provide clergy COVID resources they could then convey to their congregations. I'm not going to click on that link. 
Much earlier in the pandemic, as an editor at Evangelicalism's flagship publication, Christianity Today, Setzer had also penned essays parroting Collins' arguments on conspiracy theories. Among those, he lambasted other believers for entertaining the hypothesis that the coronavirus had leaked from a Wuhan lab. In a now-deleted essay, <laughs> of course it's been deleted, but you know, archives are archives. Anyway, uh, preserved by Web Archive, Stetzer chided, if you want to believe that some secret lab created this as a biological weapon, and now everyone is covering that up, I can't stop you, unquote. It may seem strange given the evidence now emerging of NIH-funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan to hear a church leader instruct Christians to, quote, repent, unquote, for the sin of discussing the plausible supposition that the virus had escaped from a Chinese laboratory. This is especially true as it doesn't take any great level of spiritual discernment, just plain common sense, to look at the fact that COVID first emerged in a city with the Virology Institute that specializes in novel coronaviruses and realize it wasn't an explanation that should be sent aside too easy. But it appears Stetzer was simply following Collins' lead. Only two days before Stetzer's published essay, Collins participated in a live stream event co-hosted by CT. The outlet introduced him as a, quote, follower of Jesus who affirms the sanctity of human life, unquote. Despite the fact that Collins is on record stating he does not definitely believe, he does not definitely believe, as most pro-lifers do, that life begins at conception. And his tenure at NIH has been marked by extreme anti-life pro-LGBT policies. He says more on that later. Continuing, but the pro-life Christian framing was sure to win Collins a hearing among an audience with deep religious convictions about the evil of abortion. Many felt like... Uh, many felt likely, many likely felt, I'm sorry, reassured to hear that a like-minded medical expert was representing them in the administration. During the panel interview, Collins continued to insist that the lab leak theory wasn't just unlikely, but qualified for the dreaded misinformation label. If you were trying to design a more dangerous coronavirus, he said, uh, you would never have designed this one. So I think one, oh my goodness, so I think one can say with great confidence that in this case, the viral terrorist was nature. Humans did not make this one. Nature did, unquote. So it was the same message his subordinate, Dr. Anthony Fauci, had been giving to secular news outlets, but Collins was specifically tapped to carry the message to the faithful. As Time Magazine reported in February 2021, quote, while Fauci has been medicine's public face, Collins has been hitting the faith-based circuit and preaching signs to believers, unquote. Guys, I could continue with that article, but I think you know where that's going. Just remember, everybody that you listen to doesn't always tell you the truth. We've all found that out. That article was written by Megan, Megan Basham at thedailywire.com if you want to check that out. Mm-hmm. And so one more that I wanted to jump into today. And... I can get there today. Sowing lawlessness to reap a police state, question mark. This is by Hal Lindsey, Harbinger's Daily. Let's get to that article. Ooh, I tell you what, it's snowing, blizzard outside. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. 
I'm in here sweating. Whew. Oh, ladies in your 40s, I know you feel me. So anyway, this is articles by Hal Lindsey. This is Sowing Lawlessness to Reap a Police State. So this was posted January the 16th, 2022. On his third day in office, Manhattan New District Attorney Alvin Bragg instructed his staff to stop the prosecutions of many serious crimes. Yes, you heard that right correctly. Um, they will no longer prosecute people for resisting arrest, prostitution, theft of services, or most instances of trespassing. Where he can, the new district attorney is downgrading crimes like armed robbery from felonies to mere misdemeanors. That means people using a gun to commit robbery will, in some cases, be back on the streets without ever seeing the inside of a jail cell. These changes, he said, will make us safer, quote, unquote. Increase that font a little bit. Imagine a James Bond-style master villain with practically unlimited resources. Let's say this villain wants a global police state. That's a tall order. Our villain will have to move strategically. So he starts with the world's most influential nation, the United States. How would one go about turning a free nation into a police state? When you think about it, the answer is obvious. Inundate that nation with the seeds of lawlessness, then water those seeds. Encourage the weeds of crime while removing good and fruitful plants. Get rid of things like order and justice. Open the prisons. Make arrests meaningless. Reward evil. Penalize good. Carefully nurture and garden of evil. This, in turn, will make life so miserable for ordinary citizens that they will not only tolerate more government reach into their lives, they will demand it. The villain's goal is to make them want peace and safety at all costs. That's where Manhattan, Los Angeles, and other major jurisdictions across the United States are headed. This country has chosen to embrace and even celebrate all kinds of sin and debauchery. Unless the U.S. turns from this wickedness, it will fall. And that fall will devastate democracies everywhere. On our way down, the villain, in this case Satan himself, plans to use American dysfunction to bring ever-increasing chaos to the whole planet. The Bible describes these two seemingly contradictory things both coming true in the last days. Lawlessness and a police state. In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus gives a discourse on the time leading up to his return. In Matthew 24, 12, he says, lawlessness will abound. Revelation 13 describes global government control so complete that people will be required to worship its leader. It describes a control mechanism so strict that people will not be able to buy or sell without government approval in the form of the mark of the beast. The technology enabling that level of economic control has only recently been developed and is just now coming into use. To force such draconian rules will take a surveillance state backed by a police state. How could people ever put up with such changes? Fear. And a big part of that fear will be the fear of lawlessness. People are beginning to hear the chaos, the streets pounding on the doors of their homes, more and more afraid to go out. They fear every random sound in the night. As this gets worse, they will demand police protection at any cost, including the cost of their freedoms. In the long run, defunding police and failure to prosecute criminals will mean an increase in both police power and in government control. That article is about Hal Lindsey, and you can find that at Harbinger, harbingersdaily.com. Folks, that's the truth. We see where it's headed. And you wonder, how was this all going to happen? How was this all going to happen? You read the Bible, like, how? How? Is this going to happen in the end? It seems like contradictory, but no. 
The Bible prophesied this thousands of years ago, and it's happening. One last thing I did want to talk about. First-degree murder, rendemzavir is being used to, quote, kill us. Now, our hospitals where I live, that was the big thing that they were talking about. Oh, rendemzavir was talking about, talking about, they were using it and all this stuff. And you know what? Our death rates went higher and higher and higher. And I mean, I'm not a scientist or anything, but I do question a lot and I do a lot of research. And to me, it seemed like it wasn't working. You would think these doctors would realize, this is not working. No, they didn't give a rat's butt. You know it. So first degree murder, rendemzavir, is being used to kill us. This article is written by Faye Higby, and it's on uh, rarefoundation.com. That is R-A-I-R foundation.com. So it says, uh, the WHO has issued a conditional recommendation against the use of rendemzavir in hospitalized patients, regardless of disease severity, as there is currently no evidence that rendemzavir improves survival and other outcomes in these patients. That's the World Health Organization. Rendemzavir is a highly toxic drug that medical officials advocate in the fight against COVID. But what is it, and why do the same officials ferociously defend it when there are known side effects that are deadly. The FDA approved it under the name Veclury for IVs in non-hospitalized outpatient treatment on January 27, 2022. They also terminated approval of two monoclonal antibody drugs saying they, quote, didn't work, unquote, for the Omicron variant. These two drugs had known life-extending properties for COVID patients. Did you hear that, guys? These two drugs had known life-extending properties for COVID patients. Let's have a look at the controversy and why there may be more <clears throat> to this than meets the eye. So it's a failing drug. Remdesivir was developed in 2009 by Gilead scientists to treat hepatitis C and respiratory uh, something or other RSV. <laughs> I'm just going to put it that way. Uh, but it didn't work against those diseases. So they repurposed it for Ebola and Marburg viruses in 2014. It wasn't effective in stopping the replication of those viruses either. Now it has once again been repurposed for COVID. But the narrative of the NIH is that it does stop the replication of SARS-CoV-2 virus. It is not recommended for treating COVID patients. But that hasn't stopped the powers that be. Rare Foundation USA spoke to an infectious disease physician for this article involved in Early in early clinical trials uh, for rendemzavir at the beginning of the pandemic. She told us that rendemzavir was not effective for patients severely affected with COVID. They actually stopped the trials when they saw that patients' kidneys and or liver functions were elevating. In medical terminology, this is called increased alanine transamine, whatever, I'm sorry, or aspartate transaminase. These are the enzymes secreted by the liver or kidneys that can shut down during an IV of rendemzavir. You know, it's funny, and it's not funny. I, should, I don't mean it like that. It's ironic that the numerous people that died in the hospital where I live, and several of them I knew, they all died from kidney failure, organ shutdown. And they were all given rendemzavir. Hmm. Coinkydink, I think not. People should be outraged. I mean, I'm outraged. I'm still outraged. You know, people lost their mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, kids, grandparents, you know, friends. 
It's an outrage that people are not outraged. And I don't understand. The whole world knows this came from a lab in Wuhan. The whole world knows China released it. But what's being done? Nothing. Nothing. And they're pushing this vaccine on the entire world that does what? Absolutely nothing. It kills people. But I digress. Anyway, back to the article. <laughs> Rare foundation. Okay, so let's keep on going. So, so why in the world would the FDA approve a drug that must be monitored for kidney liver failure? The FDA now approves the drug to treat, quote, non-hospitalized patients, unquote. The drug is administered through an IV and patients must be closely monitored, but non-hospitalized, question mark. Doctors have sounded the alarm for months, but their voices have fallen on deaf ears. In this strange situation, we have the FDA revoking approval of the known life-extending drugs containing monoclonal antibodies, Regeneron being one of the two that were revoked. They say that the drugs do nothing for the Omicron variant, which they claim is 99% of current cases. Omicron is the least dangerous of the variants. Take an aspirin and a cup of hot lemon tea and skip it. The only monoclonal antibody drug left for use is Sotrovimab. <laughs> Our doctor told us that there are two therapeutics she has used that work. The dexamethasone, which is a steroid that reduces inflammation, and monoclonal antibodies like this Sotrovimab, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but why revoke the antibody drugs and leave the known bad drug? So, Dr. Death. This is the Fauci connection. Remember the problem of overuse of antibiotics? Use them too long and the bacteria find a way to mutate around them. The same principle applies to antiviral medicines, which is one of the reasons variants continue to emerge. Rendemzivir is also a failed drug. Even during Ebola studies, it was found to do little. It was found to do little for patients afflicted with the virus and was actually highly toxic. Monoclonal antibodies, which mimic the body's creation of antibodies against disease, was more effective than as they are now. And Demsevere had a 53% death rate, which is considerably higher than that of COVID, as opposed to the lowest death rate of the monoclonal antibody drug Regeneron. With COVID, Rendemzivir's statistics from 2058 deaths on CMS data, which is Medicare, revealed a death rate of 26% and 46% of those died within 14 days of treatment. The mortality rate from COVID is around 1%, depending on the country. Dr. Anthony Fauci, advocate for rindemzivir therapy in April of 2020. In his own citation of the Gilead study, 53 people from the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Japan reportedly 60% adverse effects or events, from renal failure to liver problems to multiple organ failure. The NIH even now warns about renal failure and liver toxi toxicity from rindemzivir. The World Health Organization does not recommend it for use in COVID patients, but Fauci does. WHO has issued a conditional recommendation against the use of rindemzivir in hospitalized patients, regardless of disease severity, as there is currently no evidence that rindemzivir improves survival and other outcomes in these patients. That is quoted by the World Health Organization. We have, uh, so we have a so-called expert doctor who advocates for a treatment that is known to kill and is not effective against the COVID virus. We have a federal agency that is also advocating it 
to be used for COVID patients, knowing full well that it can kill. That same agency pulled the life-saving monoclonal antibody treatments known to save lives. In the face of all the information against Rendemzivir, it appears the federal government and its experts are not, quote, listening to the science, quote, at all. Dr. Brian Artis told podcast host Dr. Peter Bregan on January the 25th that Fauci and his cronies are trying to kill us, and COVID is just an excuse. What do you think? And I will tell you this much, I completely agree uh, with that article. I completely agree with it. Guys, I don't know what's really going on. I mean, I do. The Bible tells us what's going on. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God we have the Bible. Thank God we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you, I'd be very, very afraid. I would be. But I have God, and I have the Lord Jesus, and I'm thankful for that. And I have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. So, you know, Jesus Christ has overcome. And so I know, I know where I'm going if anything was to ever happen. Do you know where you're going if anything is to ever happen? So I'll tell you today, like I tell you every time I'm on here, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. These people are out to kill us, apparently. You know they are. They want the world population down to 500 million. So, um, guys, with that, I'm going to get off of here. But if you have not made the Lord your Savior, today is the day. Don't wait another day. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you've ever lied, stolen something, anything, anything, then you have sinned and that separates you from God. He's a holy, just God. He's a compassionate, loving God as well, too. He sent his only son to die on a cross for our sin, for your sin, for my sin. Jesus died on the cross. So just remember, you know, he suffered the wrath of God in our place on the cross for you and me. So today, admit you are a sinner. Admit you need a Savior. Ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. Call on the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved, the Bible says. All right, guys, with that, I'm out of here, and I uh, hope you guys have a blessed day. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, <laughs> come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Anyway, get in the Word. Let the Word of God get into you.